Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, everyone. We made it to Monday, right? This is 2021. Come on. <laughs> Keep waiting for it to get better. Anyway, luckily you are escaping the world today with book lights because today we have Lee Goldberg on. And if you have not met him yet, you're in for a real treat. He writes thrillers and he has a brand new one out called Bone Canyon. And so we'll be talking about that. If you have not read Lee yet, you may have seen his things on TV. I'll read his bio here so you can get to know him. Lee Goldberg is a two-time Edgar Award and two-time Seamus Award nominee and the number one. New York Times bestselling author of more than 30 novels. He has also written and produced many TV shows, including Diagnosis, Murder, Sequest, and Monk. OMG, Monk. Okay. And is the co-creator of Mystery 101 series Hallmark Movies. As an international television consultant, he has also advised networks and studios in Canada, France, Germany, Spain, China, China, Sweden, I kind of put those together, and the Netherlands on creation, writing, and production of episodic TV series. You can find out more information about his him on his website, and I did put a link right there, LeeGoldberg.com. You can click it anytime, and that will take you over there to take a look at all of his books and see what he's up to. He has a great blog over there, too. And without any further delay, are you there, Lee? I'm here. Thank you for having me. In the midst of a pandemic, and an insurrection. Perfect time right. to release a new book. <laughs> right? Couldn't think of a better time for you to put a new book out. Oh, my timing <laughs> is always spectacular. I buy real estate in an earthquake. I release books during an insurrection and a pandemic. I, I'm a marketing genius. <laughs> right. And you were telling me before the show started that you lived through the Santa Monica fires and then you had written about one. Yeah, it, it's. I'm doomed. I'm doomed. Cursed, I guess. <laughs> Either way, well, you want to tell everybody about Bone Canyon? It sounds fantastic. Um, you want to give them a rundown why they should go grab it this week? Well, they should grab it just out of sympathy for me and what I'm going through. <laughs> Bone Canyon is about Eve Ronan, the youngest female homicide detective in the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. But she didn't get the job by virtue of her skill or her experience or her expertise. She got it because she made an off-duty arrest of a big Hollywood star who was beating up on his girlfriend. The arrest went viral, and she was able to leverage that popularity into promotion. And now she has to prove herself constantly in her job, not just to her colleagues in the media, but to herself. And and this book takes place after um, Lost Hills, which came out last year, and uh, it was a big success because it didn't come out during an insurrection or a pandemic or the swine <laughs> flu <laughs> or alien invasion. <laughs> and uh, that, that's the ending of that book, book, there was this you know, massive wildfire that went through the Santa Monica Mountains, which happened before the actual real wildfire that went through the Santa Monica Mountains. <laughs> but in the wake of that wildfire, all the brush burned away. And when it did, it revealed the dead. Apparently, this is true, I'm not making this up, Gang members routinely will dump the bodies of their adversaries in the canyons of, of the Santa Monica Mountains, and no one finds the bodies. They're stuck in the brush. Well, when the fire came through, it burned all the brush away, and some people came back to their homes and found burned bones in their backyards, and, and they were from uh, homicide victims, not just homicide victims. There was also a woman with Alzheimer's who wandered out of a museum in midtown Los Angeles. They found her 
uh, bones in the canyon. There was a couple wow. who disappeared driving back home from LAX. They found their car in a canyon. I mean, the the fire just cleared away wow. decades of brush and revealed all sorts of, of mysteries. And I, I I couldn't resist that introduction. Uh, it was just a, a great way into a book. And, and so I stole that because I have no creativity <laughs> of my own, and I'm a hack. But otherwise, you, you should run out and buy the book right away. <laughs> Well, can people get book two, or should they get book one first? Can oh, the, they jump the books, right in with Bone Canyon? The books stand alone. You can jump right in with Bone Canyon, okay. but you really should buy the first because that's the right thing to do morally and ethically. <laughs> exactly. As a fellow writer, I can attest to this. Always go back and start at the beginning. But <laughs> So what was your inspiration for Eve? This is a series, right? She's going to stay yes. the lead detective. My inspiration was uh, wasn't necessarily inspiration. I I was at a homicide investigators training conference researching another book I had in mind, um, <laughs> and this was a conference not open to civilians. I got in because I knew the organizer. I was the only person attending who wasn't actually a homicide detective. Homicide detectives have to go these things. They do 24 hours of education every year, and this is one of those seminars, and I went to that. And a case was presented that proved how important it is for homicide detectives to approach each homicide as if they'd never investigated one before, to get rid of any homicide investigator's common sense or they might not solve the crime. Because if they had walked into this particular crime with that in their heads, they would, wouldn't have solved it. And I became fascinated with this particular case, and Eve Ronan, the character, came out of the case, really. How can I have somebody investigating a homicide who was a virgin who'd never investigated anything like this before? Because to become a homicide detective, you have to have a lot of experience and, and run your way up the ladder. And you, you would have all that experience bogging you down. So in a way, Eve Ronan's character evolved from the story I wanted to tell. But not only that, I am so bored of the middle-aged white male detective who's brilliant <laughs> at solving crimes but misunderstood by his bosses and he's got a dark past his family was killed by a serial killer he lost a testicle in the war he's one-eyed <laughs> you know he's he's an alcoholic he's a drug addict he's addicted to antiperspirants i don't know but they're always just carrying all this baggage but they're supremely self-confident they're, they're tragic heroes, but they're brilliant and they know it. I just want to do something completely different. A, a heroine who's young, who is a woman, who um, doesn't know it all, who doesn't have a deep, dark, tragic past of you know having her family killed by serial killers or whatever, that, that the reader could relate to on a human level, and who makes big mistakes, who doesn't know it all, but still has this innate skill she hasn't quite mastered yet. I love that. And I know sometimes they, you know, in thrillers, they come from uh, Quantico and they've been, you know, for the FBI and they maybe have a psychic skill. Does Eve have anything special about her that makes her, you know, extra good at her job or does she just fumble her way through? She has the power of invisibility. She can read other people's minds. She can talk to the dead and she has a bionic finger. No, she has none of those things. She's just entirely normal. No supernatural abilities, uh, none of that. She's not a deductive genius. She she is good at, at, at noticing details, 
but may not quite yet understand how to process everything that she's that she sees. She does have she's a natural. She's a, a has a natural skill for solving homicides, but her own inexperience and relentless drive often get in the way. But she's not addicted to alcohol. She doesn't have a drug problem. She's not an infomaniac yet. Um, she, <laughs> she, she's more like you and I than, than she is you know, Adrian Monk or Harry Bosch or, or John Rebus. I mean, she, she is I'm – I'm hoping she's more relatable than some of these characters. But don't get me wrong. I love Harry Bosch, and I love Rebus. But I'm not so in love with all the other uh, police procedurals that have copied those characters and copied the 87th Precinct. And plus, I want to do something that that stood apart from all the police shows we've seen on television. There's just been so many cliches, and I just wanted to subvert them every way I could. And I got to ask, because I'm a gigantic Monk fan, and so you you wrote the Monk books, right? Yes, I wrote four Monk episodes, and 15 Monk novels. Nice. Well, I have to say that part of what I loved about Monk was all of his quirks and idiosyncrasies, and it sounds like she's like the opposite of that, right? Oh, if she ran into Monk, she'd shoot him where he stands. <laughs> she, she, she would not put up with that BS for one second. But Monk took place in a different universe. Monk took place in a world where forensics don't exist, where the you know, the, the 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 captain of detectives goes to every crime scene where Monk can right. just there's no chain of evidence and it's it, it's a different world. Every book and every TV series sets up its own universe, creates the rules and then follows those rules. And when a book or a TV show violate the the universe they created, the rules they've created, that's when they've quote unquote jumped the shark. It's the moment when they violate the contract with the reader or the viewer. So I've established that, that the Eve Ronan books take place in pretty much the real world. But I don't follow every realistic detail of police procedure, and I compress events and things. I'm not, I'm not trying to do a documentary. I'm trying to right. write entertaining escapist fiction. And it's realistic to a degree, but I do take liberties. Right. Right. My my cousin is a um, police detective, and I had her come talk to our writers group one time, and she said, if you guys really wrote it completely realistic, it'd be the most boring thing because we spend 80% of our time filling out paperwork. Um, <laughs> and not only that, the murderers are not Moriarty. They're not that clever. Right, Exactly. Yeah, So, but you get to get really creative when you're dreaming up you know, the crimes and that kind of thing. And I love that you were, you know, picked the, the bones in the canyon. When I was reading the blurb on the book, I thought, oh, it reminds me of Bones the TV show, which I guess probably didn't follow the rules either. But <laughs> No, I mean, I, I, have a, I have a lot of friends, in fact, who are homicide detectives and in law enforcement, and they can't stand CSI and all these shows. They say a typical episode <laughs> of Star Trek is more realistic than most of these forensic shows. <laughs> yeah. Hawaii Five O. They they pick up a piece of lint and from it they can tell who the person is, uh, where they went to school, what car they're driving, and where they are this second using some <laughs> computer database, which is called right. the, the the lazy writer's uh, you know crutch. It's the super <laughs> database that can analyze everything instantly. The problem is yes. juries and people now expect that of cops, and that is something mm-hmm. I play with in my books. The the, the contrast, the contradiction, the conflict between 
our fictional expectations and the reality of what police officers could do and what technology can do. Right, and nothing happens instantly in real life. I mean, they might have to wait for weeks to get DNA, you know, to get the results back from DNA testing. And yet on TV, you know, you can call back 15 minutes later, yep, that's him. Oh, not even 15. You can you can uh, pick up DNA <laughs> and touch instantly. it with your tongue and, and, and taste who the bad guy is. I mean, it's just ridiculous. They oh, just, they can go. <laughs> or scan snap. it with your iPhone and get an instant hit. I mean, it's just dumb. But it's because you only have 44 minutes to tell a story on TV, and you want to get all that stuff out of the way as fast as possible and get to your next car chase or interrogation or sex scene or whatever. I get it because I'm guilty of all that. But in books, I, I, don't, I don't use those kind of crutches. Well, I was going to ask you, too, what's the difference between writing a novel and writing TV scripts? Are you using a different part of your brain? Do you use the same kind of tools in both? No, they're entirely different. When you write a script, you're essentially writing a blueprint for other contractors to follow. It's a working document. Ah. It's what directors, uh, location managers, wardrobe people, actors, composers, all these people are, are reading it for their participation and what they're going to bring to it. There's no prose. And telling the story is entirely different in a script. Everything you do has to be – if you don't see it and you don't hear it, it doesn't exist. So you have to show, not tell. Everything is conveyed through mm-hmm. action and dialogue. And it, it, it forces you to move a story along. Plus, you have such limited time. If a scene and a line of dialogue don't reveal character and move the story forward, it's cut. So it, it's a whole different way of, of telling stories, visually and, and through dialogue, which is harder to do in a book. Though I try to use some of those same techniques in writing my books, it, it's a whole different way of, of approaching story. There is no prose and, in, in, a, in a script. You, you don't describe a room unless there's a detail in the room that's important to the, uh, the scene that follows, in which case you just spell it right out. You know, in boardroom day with a giant uh, table and a crucifix in the middle of it because the crucifix is going to be used to murder somebody. Whatever. You, know, you, you, <laughs> you, you point that you, right you, out. No you, surprises. You, you, yeah. It, it's, it's not there to entertain the reader. The script is there to uh, build this production from so it's a different way of writing yeah i love that that image of that it's a blueprint for contractors that's that's a good way of looking at it oh I mean, it's supposed to be entertaining to read because you have a lot of executives of the network in the studio who are reading it like a book so you have to write it in a, an engaging way but it's not the same as a book and i could write a script in a few days it takes me a few months to write a book right which one do you get more enjoyment out of, do you think? Um, I get more immediate satisfaction out of a script because I can write it in a few days. And, in fact, what I often do is I will write my books as a script first just to get the story out of my system, and then I will use that that script as my outline for the book that I write. Oh, that's a cool idea. Does your book ever surprise you? All the time. But – I always have an outline. I don't, I'm not one of these people who makes it up as he goes along because I think it comes through in the books you read. You can tell when they're treading literary water that they're just making it up and waiting for the story to hit them. And when it does, they run with it, but they never go back and cut all the crap that they were using to fill pages in the meantime. I, I, I write mysteries and mysteries, mysteries and thrillers, and I think to succeed in those, you have to know exactly where you're going. 
emotionally and in terms of clues and in terms of the puzzle. And I, I outline all that. But I call my outlines working outlines because I finish my outline about a week or two before I finish my book. I'm always revising the outline to take into account changes I've made while writing either the script or the oh, okay. book. Now, in screenplays, I'm pretty slavishly loyal to my outline because while I'm writing my script, usually there are people out taking my outline to go ahead and start casting or build sets or look for locations or acquire wardrobe or build props. So you can't deviate too much from the outline when you're writing a script. But for a book, yes, I will, I will deviate all the time. Oh, that's cool. So you, you do outline, but you allow for freedom of, you know, what a pantser would get of, you know what? No, that's his aunt. What? I, I firmly believe 99% of the time when I'm reading a book, I can tell if they're making it up and they go along. It just doesn't feel tight. It meanders. And, and most of those writers are too lazy to go cut out the crap, the searching for the story crap. And, and then there's this rush to tie up all these loose ends, and they never tie up properly at the end of the books. It's, it's frustrating when I read books written by pantsers, or I should say crime novels written by pantsers and thrillers. They just aren't as satisfying, for the most part. Um, it, I, I, there are some authors, who, like Lee Child makes it up as he goes along, and most of the time he's able to pull it off. Um, or you get so caught up in the, in, in, in the fun of it that you don't really care about the you things don't care. quite snap uh-huh. together. <laughs> Right, but right. Most successful sometimes, writers I know outline. Yeah, sometimes if they're just such a good storyteller, you just don't want it to end, even if, you know, I mean, some of the Stephen King novels are, you know, a Bible, and but you like the characters so much that you're okay with it. Not me. I gave up on Stephen King a long time ago. <laughs> you're done with I remember reading books. the original version of The Stand that came out when I was a kid. And then reading mm-hmm. his unedited version, and I thought, you know what? They were right to cut all that crap out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, there are writers who need editors. And there are times you get so big and popular that you, you start thinking even your crap is gold. Um, well, that's true. And they stop editing because they know it will sell. So, you know, off it who goes. Cares? Yeah, wipe, wipe us off the giant. Yeah. Right. Right. Are there any other genres that you haven't written in yet that you would like to? Because I saw like Sequest, it looks like you've written, at least script-wise, you've written in all kinds of genres. Are there books you want to write in other genres? Uh, Script-wise, I have written in just about every genre there is. I've written lifeguards, werewolves, science fiction, talking (laughs) dolphins, doctor shows, (laughs) cop shows, private eye shows, spy shows. Yeah, TV I've done a lot. Um, Books. Um, I sort of wrote a Western. In, in, I did a monk novel that was shifted back and forth between present day and the Old West. And I think I might like to, to write a Western sometime. Uh, oh, otherwise, cool. I, I, I write the stories that interest me. I don't think too much about genre. I've written spy novels. I've written detective novels. I've written police procedurals. I just write whatever will challenge me and excite me and hopefully entertain the readers out there. Right. That's always the ultimate goal, because I I feel like when we write the stories, the characters don't really come to life until readers read them. And then, you know, and they breathe life into them. So if no one's going to read it, it, you know, it never really gets to come to life. So you definitely just want to write something that people are anxious to read. That's true. Plus, I like to make money. I have a very expensive family. (laughs) What? You like to eat? What? I, I, I like to eat. That's the other thing. I don't write for fun. 
I write for a living, right. and exactly. you, you right. have to be pretty dedicated to it and, and an outline pretty much makes sure that I'm not making it up as I go along and maybe discovering that I've wasted three months or four months right. on a book that's going nowhere. Uh, I take my job very seriously. Right. And I think that that is a big, it's a big difference because it, writing is an art, but we do need to eat. Yes. Though I could probably eat less. I, I could lose a little weight. Well, you know those plague pounds, they don't count. Actually, I've been lo- to be honest, I've been losing weight during the pandemic, which is great. Not traveling. Yeah. Um I've been able to control my diet quite a bit. <laughs> so, how has it been for you writing during the plague? I've been asking all the writers who come on, you know, cuz some people like to write out um in a coffee shop or whatever and there hasn't been that. Has it been weird for you writing during the plague or just normal? No, it's pretty much normal. I mean, I think writers are well equipped to handle the plague, as you put it, because we're sitting in our room, (laughs) locked in our imaginations anyway. So we're not doing anything that much different than what we'd ordinarily be doing. In my case, I do a lot of travel to research my books and have not been able to do that travel. I also do a lot of travel to promote my books, and I haven't been able to do that either. So I am feeling a little um, cooped up, and that's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, but, but you live that, near where the Eve Ronan books are, right? So you, you kind of know that area, don't you? I, I live where the Eve Ronan books are. They're, they're set here in Calabasas and the Lost Hills jurisdiction of the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. But my other books are big international thrillers. And you know, the book oh, I dang. had that came out back in April, <laughs> Big Truth, was set in Portugal. You know, I, I jumped on a plane oh, and went yeah. to Portugal. And you know, I wrote five books of Jan Ivanovich that were – all over the world, I would jump on a plane and go to Macau, or I would go to France. I would, I would go and research the books, and I, I'm just not able to do that right now, which thankfully at the right. moment I'm writing police procedurals outside that are set outside my front door. But it's even been a problem right. here. There's a, a, a gated community in uh, the area called uh, Hidden Hills, which is a city unto itself, and I've been wanting to uh, explore that and, and get a tour and everything. And the city manager has been willing to do that, but not now. It's a pandemic, you know, right. social distancing. Mm-hmm. So right. there, there's been that issue. It has impacted me even locally. Wow. And I saw on Amazon you have a bunch of videos. If if you're listening and you're interested in Bone Canyon, go to the Amazon page because Lee has posted a bunch of videos to show you the actual settings that are in the book. So it will be sort of like you're virtually traveling to California. Um, (laughs) How did you go about doing that? Was that a cool, because I know you're published with Amazon, right? Was that one of their, um, well, there's a distinction to do that. I want to make sure there's no, uh, uh, confusion. Amazon has their own publishing division, Thomas and Mercer for mysteries and thrillers, uh, Lake union for, uh, literary thriller, uh, literary fiction, uh, Montlake for romances, 47 North for science fiction and horror. It's science not the fiction. same as mm-hmm. authors who self-publish oh, on right. the Amazon right. platform. It's not KDP, My books are in right. hardcover, paperback, ebook, and, and audio, and they're available everywhere. But no, they didn't ask me to do that. I, I, I even do that when I'm in Australia or other places um, doing things oh, for for my books. Um, I don't, I mean, my my book, Killer Thriller, was set in Paris and in the underground, and I shot videos uh, doing that, too, you know, with my iPhone and a selfie stick. Nothing too elaborate. Right. 
<laughs> but that's so cool. And that way readers who are reading it can go kind of travel into the book with you. Yes. And I just two days ago, three days ago, my brother Todd, who's also a New York Times bestselling author, he and I did a 30-minute uh, seminar on how to write thrillers, which is available free on my website, LeeGoldberg.com, or you can find it on YouTube if you look up my name, Lee Goldberg. Uh, it's there where we share all the tricks and strategies we use to write uh, best-selling thrillers. Oh, my gosh. That's really cool. Thanks for doing that. We're bored out of our minds. We've got to do something. I know, right? You're all locked in. And I can't my, believe my, your brother's a New York Times bestseller, too. That You keep it all in the family. Only, not only <laughs> is he a New York Times bestselling author, we hit the New York Times bestseller list the same week. <gasps> I was number one no. and he was number six. Yes, it was wonderful. What? Oh my God! It was wonderful. But you were number you were number one, so he had to buy lunch, right? Yes, he had to buy lunch <laughs> and carry my suitcases <laughs> and all your so awards, he's, right? He's a whole he's a whole other story. Uh, he he's been a super successful author, and uh, you, you should definitely go out and, and read his books. Yeah, for sure. Check out Todd. Is he Todd Goldberg too? Todd Goldberg, younger, fatter. Okay. Less successful. No, I'm joking. He's 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 not only is he an incredible writer, he's an incredible teacher. He runs the University of California Riverside um, low residency graduate creative writing program, and he's he, his cool. students have gone on to write and, and produce hit shows and New York Times bestselling novels. He's uh, an inspirational and terrific uh, teacher. Oh, that's awesome. I, I love that you guys have all the, uh, these writers in your family. That's cool. You yeah, my mom was a, you. <laughs> she was a social columnist, gossip columnist. She went to parties for a living and wrote about them. She was the Paris Hilton of her day. And my father was a television anchor band. He talked like this all the time, even in casual conversation. If you had dinner with him, Lee, could you pass the salt? And uh, he never understood why... People thought he was weird. It's like, Dad, can you please talk normally? <laughs> I am talking normally. Oh, my gosh. What happened when you came in after curfew? Where have you been? <laughs> and when he laughed, he laughed like this. <laughs> so you never know if he really found you amusing or not. I mean, he was so phony. But it was like there was, oh he always gosh. thought there was a camera on him all the time, you know? It was weird. I'm going out you were just trying to get the newspaper, Okay. Fine. I'll be back in three minutes. We'll we'll be here, Dad. <laughs> you wanted to make him upset to hear his real voice. But I discovered a lot of other former anchor people are the same way. There was this anchor woman here in Los Angeles named Kelly Lang, and she became a mystery novelist. And, and she was at a conference in El Paso, um, you know, on a panel discussion. And at one point, she just interrupted the discussion to say. We're talking Women of Mysteries in El Paso, Texas. I'm Kelly Lang. It's like, Kelly, there's no television camera here. You don't need to do a station break. You know, it's just... Oh, my gosh. Well, I saw that your background was like in journalism because I was seeing all the police procedurals, and I thought, oh, did you used to be in law enforcement? And you had the cute thing about being a Navy SEAL, but that was sadly not true. Um but did you uh, did you ever get involved in journalism, or did you go right into writing? What did your journey? Look oh no, like no, I started as a journalist. Published? I wrote for. Oh, okay. I didn't cover. I, I covered police and government for lesser newspapers in Northern California, 
and I covered the entertainment industry for uh, the LA Times Syndicate, uh, Associated Press, uh, American Film, Starlog, Playgirl, all kinds of publications. <laughs> I worked for a television yeah. trade publication called um, Electronic Media. I think it was later they changed their name to Television Age. Now, I put myself through college as a journalist writing about the entertainment industry. Wow. I love it. And what made you decide, okay, I'm going to write a book? Oh, I always wanted to write a book. The, the, the first book I had published was when I was 19 years old. I had a thriller published called 357 Vigilante by Ian Ludlow. So I'd be on the shelf next to Robert Ludlow and Ian for Ian Fleming. So people would go, Ian Ludlow. Wow. I think I read something by him. It wasn't bad. The book was called 357 Vigilante. came out the same week this guy Bernard Getz blew away some muggers on a New York subway train. My book was an immediate bestseller. New World Pictures bought the movie rights and hired me to write the screenplay. And this is when I was 19. Uh, the movie never got made, but my, my, uh, my career as an author and as a screenwriter were born while I was still in college. So you really were, this was your path was meant to be, 19, and, wow. And while I was in college, I also wrote a nonfiction book that was hugely successful called Unsold Television Pilots, Every Idea Rejected by the Network Since the Dawn of Television. And that book was a huge success. And uh, so I've always had a nonfiction and fiction side to my to my life. I'm doing exactly what I imagined I'd be doing when I was a kid. That is that is amazing. Very cool. And and that you're so prolific and you're still doing it. You never burned out. This was your calling. Oh, I burned out years ago. <laughs> I'm a talentless <laughs> hack who's living on fumes. <laughs> But you know what? You can buy groceries. I can buy groceries for the moment. I, I you know, Every day I wake up going, well, it's the day. It's the day they realize I'm a complete fraud. Time to put in my employment application at, at Arby's. <laughs> well, I don't think that's going to be a problem. Um, we're running out of time, but everybody go check out Lee's website and grab your copy of Bone Canyon. And thanks so much for being here today. It was great to have you. My pleasure. Thanks so much. See you later. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on Book Lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.